Welcome to the Dig In Travel Podcast, where travel and other digital professionals level up their marketing skills by listening to the top industry experts. And now here's your host, Istok Franco, founder of DigInTravel.com, your number one resource for travel, digital, e-commerce, and marketing. Hi, everybody. This is Istok, and welcome to episode 20 of the Dig In Travel Podcast. This podcast was always about airline and travel digital professionals. I wanted to give voice to great people in, our, in my network, in our industry, to tell their stories, what they're doing, how they're building new stuff, how they're innovating. Today, we'll give you another such story. Because the pandemic hit us all hard, so not only our industry, but also personally, changing our lives, turning everything upside down. I'm recording this podcast intro after I just bribed my son with television and video games to get this one hour of peace to be able to record this intro. So when I look at how I personally dealt with the pandemic, I often remember the famous psychological stages of accepting the change. You probably heard about them. It starts with shock, then it's followed by denial, then anger comes, followed by depression. After the depression, we usually start bargaining, and finally, at the end, the acceptance comes. Now, enter Esamati Woe, head of digital commerce at Finnair. Esamati was one of the participants in our first ever airline digital retailing academy. And when we talked about how Finnair is going through this crisis, he showed me one slide, one chart that made me laugh. Why? Because it showed the different stages of how Finnair was going through digital transformation and how COVID turned their plans upside down. It made me laugh because it's very similar to the stages I was telling you about. So I told the Samati he had to tell us more about it because I think it's important that we hear how people who are in similar position, so in similar difficult times, are going through it. How they reacted to change, how they adapted, and when and how do they see the light at the end of this tunnel. Now, Esamati also shared his one key learning about digital and digital transformation that I think it's really important. I won't tell you what it is, You'll need to listen to the podcast and find out on your own. However, after the podcast, as I was thinking about this key learning he was talking about, I remembered one other story. It's a story about four dangerous animals that are the biggest enemies of your digital product, your digital projects. They are hippo, wolf, rhino and zebra. You all have them in your work, in your organizations. You probably just didn't recognize them yet. So listen to my podcast talk with the Samati, then check my article, the link is in the show notes, to see these four dangerous animals and let me know which one of these four is the one that is the most dangerous for your projects. I would really love to hear back from you. Now please 
enjoy the show. Hi, Samati, and welcome to the Digging Trail podcast. Hi, it's Doc. Nice to be here. I was looking at uh, one of the charts from your recent presentations, and it's one of the best summaries of the past year we had in our industry that in our industry that I seen, because you said you went from record-breaking year in digital and sales in 2019, then COVID hit and you fell into the valley of despair, which was followed by some false hope in the summer, and now you're looking with. But you said laser focus on what the future will bring. Tell me more about this roller coaster journey and especially how it impacted your Finair digital teams. Yeah, it, it has been indeed a, a roller coaster. And uh, like say, the last year was a, a record break in, in the, uh, digital business for the Finair. 2019, 2019 right? 2019, yes. We grew, grew a boat in, in a conversion rate and, and increased average order value. So. So we were able to get the most out of our traffic, but also also still sell more more uh, valuable items to customer, which was really really successful. And also we got a really nice feedback. And, and just to mention mention that our mobile app got a NPS of 62, which is pretty cute in in, in the industry. But yeah, then the, the early this year looked looked really nice also, and we are we are going in the same path and and. Getting, getting more out from our digital investments, but then the reality hit, hit and it was, it was a few weeks of time we lost a over 90% of our business, business and we needed to think about, think really carefully what we want to do and where we put our focus because we, first we thought that this is going to be uh, over in, in like very short time period, period of time, but the, this was the, the false hope in the summer, like you said. False, false hope. We expected that after the summer holidays in Finland, it typically, typically uh, July is the holiday season, and we thought that yeah, this will be over, over after our holidays are. But no, no, it's it's not the case, and we are we are now we need to think that think about that how we how we will come back, and uh, like you say that, that the focus is is essential, and and we have got. Lots of lots of doing. We have done heavy prioritization and achieved a, a focus and, and able to deliver lots of good good things to our customers. Do you see this focus? Because this is one of the trends that I see in the airline industry, which I think is a positive trend. That this that this focus turns a lot of airline industry also to more customer focus to to solving, let's say, friction points with digital solutions with touchless solutions. Do you see this also in your prioritization activities? So you're focusing more on, let's say, the activities that really add values for your customers. Yeah, I think that that's really kind of key key trends to put the customer in the focus. And and, and also, for example, lately, latest we introduced a uh, digital membership card in our, our mobile app, and which and that enables customers uh, travel kind of touchlessly so that that they they it's kind of clean clean travel also also and uh, we have been trying to think from the uh, customer point of view what so what would what might ease their traveling and what we can do to help them during the travel but also find the destination where they can travel this uncertain situation and uh, what are the kind of possibilities and and really kind of thinking the what is what problem a customer have and how we might solve that 
Maybe if we go back, let's say in 2019, when you said you had this uh, record uh, year in terms of digital sales, and you also redesigned Finair.com and a new app. If I'm not mistaken, I saw in some of the materials that you guys grew, you started also growing uh, in-house development team, a lot of in-house de- uh, uh, digital practices. How did you do that? What was the logic behind and uh, how did this all this growth on the digital side happen before, let's say, COVID hit? Yeah, basically, basically the focus of digital has been heavily last last few years and especially 2019 has been on our .com, and we have in the history we have used used to bought a off the shelf solution for our our uh, .com, but but we decided to take a bit of different approach and we wanted to build it ourselves. We wanted to have a product-based approach. So we, we built in-house product teams. We hired, we had a, in the best days, we had a close to 100 people working in-house on the on the uh, digital touch point, finna.com, mobile app and in-flight entertainment. We scaled up that, that quite fastly. Fast, of course, we have a nice brand in here in Finland, so so we were quite successful on recruiting. But now, when the COVID hit, the uncertainty of the market, few people needed to needed to depart from their choice because they wanted to have a more stable environment or needed to have. But also, also we needed to do a quite a massive restructuring of the company to save money and be able to basically secure our future. So that has also also effect on on uh, on the digital development and. And it's also coming back to the focus so that we, we needed to cut down on our uh, project and development, but also on people and then keep the focus still that we can deliver the, what is the most important. Yeah, but I think the uh, investment, let you say, that you did in the past in your own platform, like you said, which I think is very important because it gives you flexibility to build real digital product solutions. Because a lot of times I see, especially with airlines, uh, which are using, uh, let's say, some out-of-the-box uh, booking engine solutions. They are a little bit waiting for release cycles for the booking engine, and it's not like driven by them. So they are trying to basically more reactive than proactive approach. So I think the the platform and the investment in the teams that you have, although now that the teams will be slow, uh, smaller, you will still still be able to to be more agile in terms of developing solutions and providing, let's say, new. Uh, features that are now needed because of the COVID. Yes, yes, definitely. And one of the kind of really key essential thing has been has been on our in-house on-site team that that we can innovate, test, and develop in a really short cycle. So if if we have a good idea, uh, some hypothesis on those, we can just walk by to the airport and test it with the customers on prototype or even a paper. And then, then develop those in a short cycles and test again with the customers and, and uh, have a kind of real life customers close to us and have a short feedback loop has enabled it so that, that we have a really short time to market. And we have been able to do many iterations with a very short time period and, and improve our services. I read about this, uh, let's say, cycles that you have. So if I'm not mistaken, you plan your digital uh, let's say digital projects and digital development in 12 week cycles but these cycles are then broken down in a short uh, so this is like a big big picture 12 week planning cycles but then you break down these cycles in one to two weekly sprints 
Can you talk a little bit more about that? How do the, uh, this breakdown work? Yeah, that is actually that is actually a really interesting point, and we are defining our our uh, development in, in a twelve week cycles, so quite close to quarter. Then we de- we de- we we usually define a some kind of objectives per cycle, what we want to achieve. And then we give a, uh, we like to see that our teams are empowered and they, they know how to best solve those, those uh, problems or achieve those, those objectives, uh, empowering them to find the solutions. And then do, and, and we wanted to have a, that kind of cadence, cadence for 12 weeks, because uh, we need to also give them a piece to work which is long enough so that they can try a few things, try to find solutions and work different kind of topics. But then the actual delivery, the discovery, the definition and the delivery and the design, those are done in a two week cycles, two weeks, two weeks sprints, so that we achieve that uh, we have a kind of short time to market and short iteration and we will we get the product out, out as fast as, as possible. Yeah, that sounds really interesting and uh, a very modern approach to planning and uh, uh, development in cycle sprints. If you look back, so when you went from this, let's say, more traditional organization with, with outsourced, let's say, development or outsourced support for your main .com and digital touch points, and then when you insourced it and you implemented this new, let's say, product, uh, digital product-centric view and customer-centric view, what were the biggest challenges? Uh, what were some of the biggest learnings uh, that you learned when you did this transition? I think it, one of the biggest challenges has been has been that that everybody has an opinion on digital. Everybody who who knows who knows <laughs> the, how the Netflix or the Facebook works, they have they have an opinion. They have an opinion on the product, or they have an opinion on the UX, and uh, that is really challenging because then you need to need to start thinking that who whose opinion really matters. Should you ask from the CEO, or should you ask from the uh, executive board, or who should you ask? That ha- that that is a huge learning curve because you don't need to ask anyone. First thing that you need to learn is to is to give away and you need to start digging your data. You need to build up a kind of data native skills so that, that all people in your group, team, squad, however you call that, are data native so that they, they can uh, learn from the data, not only only just kind of look in the data, but are able to convert that to, in, that to insight and then to the actions so that we are not anymore building our stuff Based on based on the opinions, but rather facts. But of course, those and and test those really fast. Data is not the only truth, but it's 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 closest to what we can get. And and then if we can test those fast, we can try multiple things in a short time time uh, period of time. That has been maybe the, the one of the of the key learnings that that we need to get away from the opinions and and let data to speak. You also talk when you talk about data and to test things. One of the things that you also talk about is the growth mindset. So how to embed this growth mindset and practices of experimentation and testing into development and product teams. How do you see here the combination of, let's say, digital marketing and e-commerce, people that are more, let's say, responsible for building traffic, for working on digital campaigns, then combining them with the digital product team to increase, uh, let's say, conversion and also to 
to be embedded in the new product development? Uh, I think that that needs to be viewed on on, on kind of holistically. It, it's it's not so that that the growth mindset or growth hacking has been. There is a saying that growth hacking is the new new agile. It's a quite a big buzzword, and that's why I think that you need to start from the embedding into the work and as close to the delivery as possible, the digital delivery, so that, that we ensure that whatever we test in any part of the funnel, we deliver it to the fast to customers. Even, all, even not all the facts are known, we are able to take a few risks and try things fast. And that is, I think, that one of the key things in the growth mindset that we are able to take risks and test those, even we don't know all the factors on the table. And that's that's the needs to looked looked from the really high level and holistically so that that we have a one one view but we are also also giving a people a possibility to try different kind of things and we are able to handle that kind of uncertainty that that when we go into the growth mode we we don't know all the answers from from the start but we will learn while we go i think that's very important like you said that you that there are uncertainties and that, okay, you can do as much as looking into data, doing, I don't know, agile user research to learn as much about them. But then if you have this, let's say, this framework of 12-bit cycles that you even break down into four weeks or one to two weeks, and you can accelerate and get answers in one to two weeks or even four weeks, I think it's great because it's uh, really speed up this learning process. And at the end, you can learn something new based on your things that you tested and tried, and then you can see what makes sense and what not. So it makes it much easier to prioritize in the future and you can make sure that your digital platform and your digital products are going in the right way. Yeah, and also when we think about uh, this short cycle development, we it's also building building uh, incrementally. So so that when, when we first launch, launch something to the customer, the payback will, time, payback will start immediately. And then we are building on incrementally, so so we are not not kind of we are avoiding quite some of quite some cost of delay compared to that if we just wait until the big bang, bang release. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's uh, that's a great point. If we go back to the beginning when we were talking about COVID and how it changed, obviously everything we do part of going out of the valley of despair, <laughs> let's say, and trying to be more optimistic about the future. Do you see opportunities also with the current pandemic? You are part of our also digital academy and we talked a little bit about some. Which are the ones that you think are the more relevant or where you see the biggest opportunity for Finair in the future? I think that what the customers are now looking is the trusted partners and, and safety. Of course, cleanness and that kind of things. But if you think about it, it's a context, context. They, they want to have be top of everything. They want customers want to know all the details. That is a huge opportunity us, so that we give that that uh, control to the customers. We can do it that that we are uh, delivering a lots of information to the customers, but also also so that for example, uh, I think that the personalization is one good uh, in way of interacting with the customers, and uh, if we do it well, that uh, present to the customers that we know them and we care about them. And it start building the, the uh, loyalty. 
but also also a trust uh, based relationship because we know them they know that we know them and we uh, we are using their data responsibly responsibly and it's it's good for them they are make, we are making more relevant uh, succession and more relevant offerings and etc and that all build up a, a image of the safety of the trust based relationship and in that case the digital has a kind of huge huge impact on on when we think about the total picture when you talk to know provide customers with the relevant information customers now have a lot of questions and a lot of fears a lot of friction points that you need to answer so if you do that and you address them and uh, be relevant like you said through more personalized targeted information i think this is the right uh, the right approach do you see also, because you started already on this road in 2019 with the new app, which had great NPS, like you said, do you see this current trend of self-service, of, uh, let's say, touchless uh, digital self-service? Do you see it as a boost in the future for your app so you could build even more ad- app adoption where many, airli- many airlines struggled in the past? Yeah, I think that, the, that the, at least in my philosophy, one thing that, that many airlines and, and uh, other players has done wrongly with the apps is so that they are trying to put everything into app. Or copy-paste the website, yeah? Copy-paste the website or, or then, then take the app and put a, a web, uh, web browser into it, which is not kind of really good uh, user experience. Then the app will get overloaded so that the customer have too much information. So I think that the, we need to be wiser on, on, on our how we use our channel mix. And for example, in the app, people have already made the commitment when they download the app to the phone, and we should respect that. Then we need to make sure that we use that kind of mandate, so to say, and provide only the most relevant tools in the app so that it's, it's as easy as possible to use. For example, if you think about that, the lately that maybe the most most uh, used actions has been the flight cancellation and the flight change. Nowadays, customers are calling into call centers to do that. If those are actions in app, I think that that would quite heavily drive a app, a mobile app adaptation also. But traditionally, airlines are not allowing those in the app because they think that it's too easy and they want to want that customer keep their ticket what they bought and then they bought a new ticket but if we start thinking about it so that if we allow customers to do those changes easily they might feel that once again that they can trust to us and they are kind of it we are safe the place to bought the ticket at the first place yeah no that's a good example one of the things that we talk in the digital academy that we discussed is the let's say the problem of uh, frequency and relevancy for airlines because even in the best days the time between travel or flights if you are not a really high uh, frequent business flyer can be quite long how can in context of the app that we discussed now how can airlines add relevance and be more relevant in the time between the travel so we see some ideas with retail, uh, with some other things that airlines are doing to do that. AirAsia, for example, even went into the food delivery business. How, how do you look at that? Or do you have any ideas uh, for Finair to maybe go into the retailing or uh, do anything else to, to add on the relevancy and frequency? 
Uh, yeah, I think that the retailing is the, is the kind of really, really hot in the industry now, and it's also key. As I see it, is is the retailing is more to kind of change in the way of working and change way way of engaging with the customers. Because the airline airline business has been quite long a uh, from my point of view quite long a just a transaction based ticketing business, and if you think about the modern day retailers, they are more in in engagement and and building on emotions and, and uh, connections towards customers. And that is something that the airlines needs to also learn. Some are doing that already quite nicely, some are not that good. But also I think that the, there can be answers also the, in that, that question, how to connect travelers between the journeys. Is that, that uh, if you think about the airline websites, they are traditionally focused on the booking and the conversion optimization to get the sales capture done. And I agree that that's the core uh, for the airline websites. But then, then during the between the journeys, we know that the customers are thinking about the traveling. They are dreaming about the traveling. So how might we provide a platforms for that? And in my, my philosophy, I see, for example, social media is really good on that. That, for example, Instagram. So you keep this micro moments of engagement with the brand in between and then you build the momentum for the yeah. next trail. So I think that's the, that's really kind of your spot on that to build the momentum for the next engagement. And then then when we when the customers are ready to buy uh, a ticket, then when we have constantly built that engagement through those micro moments, and when the touch points are able to kind of onboard the customers with the efficient on-site remarketing retargeting tools to connect those dots from that, those micro moments, then I truly believe that we are able to connect travelers between the journeys, engage more tightly, but also even upsells through those dreams that they, or the dreaming they have done during uh, between the journeys. I think this is an opportunity and this is something where I see a lot of airlines are doing already activities. So for example, even transferring the content, the content marketing. Historically, airline contact marketing was focused on the in-flight moment. So on the magazine, everybody has a professional uh, magazine editorial. Now taking this content and put it in the digital context. So you can put it as a digital, let's say, content platform that is visible to everybody, not just the travelers. So you can use this to build this inspiration and then connect it with these micro moments to build engagement till the next um, travel. I think this is a big opportunity for some of the airlines that are still not doing that. Yeah, I definitely agree. And for example, us, we have a Blue Wings, our our brand magazine. We have put that that totally online. We have still paper version of it. Of course, not in a current environment. It's not on the plane, but uh, it's available on our .com. And we are actually allowing our customers when they are on board they can read it uh, in online using a Wi-Fi without the cost. So, so I think we also think that there's a huge opportunity. Maybe at the end, Samadhi, if we talk a little bit about, we talked about the changes, about how COVID changed a lot of things, how accelerated a lot. What kind of skills do you think this will require or is already requiring, especially on the digital side? For you, especially with the transformation to going almost having an inside digital development team, the skill set that you need to do that is much broader, much more complex. 
So maybe how do you look at that and how, the, how, how did in the past or how do you now, how do your digital teams learn? How do they cope, uh, catch up with all the, the things that needs to be known to do these uh, things on the digital front that uh, you were explaining? Yeah, first, firstly, if you think about that, the airlines are going to be much smaller, smaller than they used to be. So that that's all, already one effect that, that people need to be, uh, they need to be able to handle like, multiple skills. So, so we are uh, looking a change from specialist to more generalist roles. So that uh, in some some uh, discussion we have been t- talking about, for example, in in. In our Deakin uh, Travel Academy, we have been discussing a T-shaped uh, personals, so that they have a, a quite big variation of, of different kind of skills and one deep expertise where they can go really dive in dive in mm. in, in a certain topic. So that is, I think, that the, one of the key key things that people need to learn. They need to be able to handle the multiple things. And this also helps, uh, right, with a broader understanding of when you're doing the new digital solutions. So if you have a team that has a broader skill set, broader even business understanding, it's, I think it helps on building better solutions than if you're very specialized just into one very uh, niche, uh, let's say, skills. Indeed, indeed. And also, also if you have a multiple uh, personnel who has a, a niche skill set, then we have also much more those gray, gray areas between those skill sets. And uh, that is also a lost opportunity then. So that also a, gives a quite, that quite nicely covers a wider, wider a, a, uh, area of responsibilities and, and makes sure that everything possible is delivered. You mentioned the concept yeah, that we were discussing in the academy. So going from specialized roles to more general, broader skill set role and building this T-shaped profile of skill set. One other trend that I see is how we change the learning. You know, so in the past, we had a lot of planned learning, which meant, okay, HR was uh, planning if we had a good HR uh, training program and they put it like uh, every few years on different trainings. But now I think with these fast changes, we need to be learning all the time. There is a concept of intentional learning. So trying to seek learning opportunities everywhere you can, so you can stay on top and you can build this broad skill set. How did uh, your, uh, let's say, academy experience so far help you with it, uh, with this intentional learning? I think that that kind of, that way is, is the most suitable way to me to learn. So that it's it's kind of on demand. I can I can uh, use my focus time on learning when it's best for me, not best for the certain trainer schedule or, or classroom schedule. But I can do it whenever it's best for me. And also, I think that it's also also it is kind of maybe my generation or, or next generation thing that we want to do things on our own pace, and it's it's also enables that. But it's, I also see that it's uh, then the training is much more efficient because I can I can do it when I'm ready, and I don't need to kind of expect expect when the trainer is ready. You try to do yeah, these combinations of pull and push. So you you push some content, so you get some ideas. But then, like you said, when you're ready, you can also you can also pull, try to deep dive into some of the topic and say, okay, this is interesting. I want to share something, or I want to learn more about that based on your preference and uh, 
interesting time, like you said. Yeah, and quite many times it goes so that uh, not all the topics are equally important at the time of the training or, or, or event you have, but uh, uh, then, then you are just finding some problems on from your table at one day, and then you want to dive into certain topic. And that's that's in this type of on-demand, uh, more on-demand training, it's, it's always possible to do when it's convenient, but when it's needed. It's almost like you said at the beginning for your customers. Yeah? So we try to be more personalized, try to know, know, know a bit about everybody individually and try to then add more value in the areas that that individual yeah, that's, that's that's the core to put the customer really in the, in the centric <laughs> yeah yeah true uh, last thing maybe to to end up on a uh, let's say on a more personal high note i saw you you were a pro hockey player and a coach in the past <laughs> how did this transition from hockey to digital happen yeah i, I used used to play hockey and, and used to coach coach uh, quite some time and, and but yeah to, to be honest i needed to needed to uh end up playing playing because of the injury and uh but i wasn't a, I, I was not ready to give up the up the game and and that's why i started to coaching but i know that the careers at the, at the uh, hockey are not that long and you need to have a, a kind of <laughs> real real <laughs> world profes- professionalism and, and, and job to do to get the food on the table and that's why why the digital has been always always close to my heart and has been doing that that now past 15 years and I still still try to watch mainly watching the hockey but also also trying to teach my kids to skate and skate with them then nowadays. Good, no, and yeah, Finland is great for that with uh, a lot of ice and snow. So, I think it's a great, great location to 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 try that also for other people who are not uh, skating or uh, trying hockey. That I agree. Okay, Esamati, thank you for the chat and for your contributions, uh, and looking forward to engage with you in the future and also in the academy. Uh, we'll continue continue to do that. Thank you. This podcast is supported by Pros. Are you looking to optimize revenues across revenue management, retail, and distribution? With more than 30 years of experience and a legacy in the airline industry, Pros provides AI-powered solutions that optimize selling in the digital economy. Pros customers, who are leaders in their markets, benefit from decades of data science expertise infused into our industry solutions. If you like this podcast, check out Pro's podcast, The View from 30,000 Feet, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Pro's website. Or visit the Resource Center at pros.com to access our special COVID-19 edition webinars and blog posts.